0: You know, I love messy worship. Uh, I just did uh, You know, every time you fill out a survey most of the time for churches who are looking for any kind of position, especially pastor, they say, especially in our culture, what kind of worship do you like? Because they want to know, do you like just standard hymns and piano and nothing else? Do you like a band? And I always say worship that honors God. That's the kind of worship I I don't care what instrument I'm using, if I have an instrument, if I don't have an instrument. If I'm singing a cappella, I don't care. Worshiping God is worshiping God. But I love messy worship. (laughs) Why do I love messy worship? Well, I love messy worship because as much as we try to, to produce the things that we want to produce as a product for worship, I like when worship goes off the rails. Because then when the power of God happens, we know it's God. Right. You know, I've, I've been to places where they had a band that makes millions of dollars doing songs and, you know, they put on a production and it's great. But their music can make you cry and make you do anything that they want you to do with the music. And so when the peak preacher gets up there, <laughs> oh man, I can have L over here tickling the piano while I preach, see. And then we can just really get going. But when... Worship doesn't go like we want it. And God still moves. That's God.
1: Now we are in our second week in our
0: series of I, Life Rooted in Christ. Uh, two weeks ago, before the snowstorm of 2021, uh, the second one. Uh, first one didn't really matter, but okay. We looked at the base passage for this series there in John 15, the vine and the branches, that we need to be rooted in Jesus, that we are that branches, he is divine. This week we begin our closer look at what it means to abide in Jesus. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four areas in our life that Jesus calls us to abide in. And in each area, there's two parts to abide in. There is the vertical part and the horizontal part. There is that part that is vertical, that is me and Jesus, or me and God. And there's the horizontal part, me and everybody else around me. Each part tells me how to live my life. And, and it's that first area that may be the most important because Jesus just talked about himself, right? What's he saying? He has to go away. He has to spend time with his father. He always took the time out to go to a quiet place, a solitary place to spend time with God. And so if the vertical's not right, the horizontal will never be right. If the vertical's not there, the horizontal can't happen. That's just the way it works. There are so many things in our life that we want to rush through, but when we rush through them, the product doesn't happen. If you try to make a cake, but you forget the leavening agent, you don't have a cake. You have something, and it may taste good, but it's not going to be fluffy, and it's not going to be moist. and It's not going to be what needs to be done. You have to have all the pieces. If the vertical is not right, the horizontal will never be right. And so this morning we look at the verses immediately following what we read last week. Starting in John 15 and verse 9. And it says there, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you slaves anymore because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you and praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask God that you would take this time that you would use it for your glory. Father, use me as the vessel of the words that I speak. Be yours, and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you, and we ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake, and all God's people said And it's important to know, because I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time this morning on it, that he tells us these things so that our joy can be complete. These are the things that we need to know for our joy to be complete. So, if we find ourselves in a situation where our joy is lacking, it may be because we're not abiding. It may be because we aren't experiencing the things he has for us because of where we are and what we're lacking in doing. He says, I'm telling you this command so that your joy can be complete. I'm telling you to do this so the joy within you will be absolutely where it needs to be. We're missing out sometimes because we get in the way. And then he gives this command. Jesus gave his disciples one commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus is very specific about what he wants. He doesn't say Have warm fuzzies for each other like I have for you. He doesn't say, I want you to kind of like each other like I do you. There's a lot of that in churches around the world. I kind of like the person sitting next to me. He doesn't say that we tolerate people around us because I have told you to. He says, love each other like I have loved you. Now this is the only command Jesus really ever gives. He he quotes other commands. When he's asked what the greatest commandment is, he quotes those commands. But the only command that Jesus gives is this. Love one another as I have loved you. So it's got to be important if it's the one command that Jesus gives. If it's the one thing he totally wants his disciples to do. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it follows the vines and the branches. It expounds upon it Because there is one thing we cannot do apart from being rooted in Christ, and that's love each other like He loved us. We can't love each other like He loved us. We can't even love our kids like He loved us without being rooted in Jesus. Because there are times when our kids, we want to say, go to your room and I will see you with a year, right?
1: There are other times
0: when, when adult kids won't tell their daddy that he's in their own key. I'm just saying. I'm not going to mention any names. But sometimes our kids, it's hard to love. We love them, and we know we love them we do anything for them. But the love that Jesus talks about is wholly different. The love that Jesus is talking about here is something big, and it's the key to understanding the first area that we're to abide in, that love. The question becomes, what does it mean to love like Jesus? What does it mean to love like Jesus? How did Jesus love? How does this look in the life of someone who abides? Well, the first thing about Jesus' love is that Jesus' love is unconditional. Right off the bat, that might be the hardest thing we deal with. His love is unconditional. He asks for nothing in order for his love to be given Nothing. He doesn't say we need to earn his love. In fact, we can't. The greatest lie people ever tell anybody else is if you love me, you would. Now, If I was teaching a singles class this, we would go one direction with this. If you love me, you would. If that is ever what someone says to you, no matter what it is, that's not about love. It's about control. It's about wanting to be the most important. Love doesn't do that. Love, as Jesus loves, has no conditions. His love is freely given to all. In fact, it says what? That God so loved the world. We sang a song right in the whole wide world that he loves. And that's good news for those of us who want to abide in Jesus because the vertical level here is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us no matter who we are. No matter what we've done. No matter where we've been. No matter how many times we messed up. No matter how times we keep messing up. He still died for us. When he was on this earth, when he was in Daddy, I don't want to do this, but I'll do it if you want me to. He knew every despicable act I was ever going to do, and he still went to the cross. That's amazing. That's love that we cannot earn. There's nothing I can do to make me worthy of that. We can't do anything to earn it, but we also can't do anything to lessen the love that Jesus has for us. Jesus not fall out of love with us. He's not 21st century. He didn't fall into love with me. and He's not going to fall out of love with me because Jesus just loves me. He's never going to want to trade us in. I don't know how many times mama would look over and say, I'm just going to send you back. <laughs> my, my mama, she had a, uh, there's a way she would get my attention and punish me. And I didn't ever have, have to be spanked because she would pick up the phone. This was so mean. to love my mom did, it, but this was mean. She picked up the phone. She said, "Hello, boys' home." I'm packing his bag and putting it on the front porch. I expect you in about an hour. And every time we would drive over in her, they would point to the boys' home and show me where it was. So I knew that if I didn't watch out, I was going to the boys' home was the love. She wanted to trade me in sometimes, but Jesus doesn't want to trade me in. When we fail, he still loves us. It's unconditional. There are no conditions to be given for it. On the horizontal level, our love for each other is to be unconditional. Oh, it hurts. Because I don't want to love everybody. I mean, let's be honest. We don't want to love everybody. There are people we don't like. And if I don't like them, I don't want Like Osama bin Laden. We don't want to love those people. But God calls us to love everybody unconditionally. No matter where they're at, no matter what they've done, our, sh- our love shouldn't approve and depend on us approving of someone. You know, I you know how daddies act with little girls, right? Nobody's ever good enough, right? That's the way it works. Our love can depend on whether or not we approve of somebody. We shouldn't hold back our love because we're mad. <laughs> I have a little girl at home, in case you didn't know. She thinks she's 45, but she's 5. And she either loves you, or she don't love you no I love you, I love you, I love you. And then yesterday, I'm going to tell a story, and I'm going to get in trouble for this problem. She might, she might not be listening, but she had a monkey. I don't even know what the monkey looked like. It's gone. It was a Dollar General monkey. She wanted it. We don't know where it's at. She named that monkey from four years ago. His name was Logan, evidently. Can you get me a new one? I looked. There's not a Logan available. But I bought her a hedgehog. A rainbow hedgehog. And so she loves me. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't love me when I do what he wants me to do and not love me when I don't. Jesus always loves me. It also means our love is (laughs) forgiven. We don't wait on apologies to love someone. We don't wait for them to say they're sorry. We don't make people work their way back into our good graces. To love like Jesus means we love in spite of the failings of the objects of our love. So Jesus' love is unconditional, but Jesus' love is also sacrificial. I use the whole Christian standard most of the time because John 3.16 is written like this. For God so loved the world in this way. For God loved the world in this way. He gave His only Son. That's the way He loved. He gave His Son. God loved the world in this way. He gave everything. (laughs) He gave up his very life. The vertical is that God loves you so much he gave everything for you. He put everything out there. He puts your needs before his wants every time. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. But he went to the cross because I needed him to. He went because it was me. I'm not even gonna blame y'all because I don't, I'm not even gonna go there. I know me. I sent him to the cross and he went. He went because he loved me. He'll move heaven and earth just to be with me. It's the most precious thing. His life, he was glad to give it for you. There was a singer once who I heard him say, our loves were so bad, he had to die for us, but his love is so great, he was happy to. He says, greater love has no man than this that he laid out his life for his friend. The vertical level is that we can know we are loved beyond compare, but the horizontal level our love should be exemplified by sacrifice. We should esteem others as higher than ourselves. Sacrificial love cares more about what others desire and need than what I desire and need. There are things in this world that I wish were different. There are things in this world that I do that I don't want to do, but I do because somebody else needs me to. It's always hard in churches because churches don't like change. <laughs> Amen. We don't to change. We just don't. We like things to be the way they were and always how they were. We want them to stay that way because that's what needs to happen. I've watched churches fall apart in the past because as the younger generations come up and want to begin to take control, there becomes this. Struggle in this pull back and forth. Some of you adults, when I did the children's sermon, kind of knowingly nodded because you had seen one of those before and you kind of knew what it was. But every kid to a T in here went, That's for the Nintendo. Because they knew. And so what happens is we have to begin to look and say, Okay, so at some point we have to say what I want isn't as important as what they want. And, and it's hard. We, do it, we have to do it in our homes. We have to do it in our church. We have to do it in, in our towns. It's, it's hard to do. Sacrificial love cares more about other people's desires. There's a story that I heard about a little boy one time who his sister had had a, 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 a disease. And... The cure was in his blood, and he needed she needed blood. And his parents talked to him about it, and he said, "Yeah, I'll do it. I love her." And he went, and he got at the table, and he laid back there on that on that little examine table, and the doctor started prepping his arm to put the to put the needle in. He looked up at the doctor and he said, "Will it hurt?" "Well, no, it's just a little sticky. He said, "No, will it hurt when I die?" He said, Well, what do you mean it hurt when you die? Well, you're taking my blood to give to my sister. I just want to know if it'll hurt when I die. The little boy knew that his sister needed blood and he was willing to give it all. He just wanted reassurance of what it would feel like. Sometimes the greatest sacrifices are those things that go unnoticed. We live in an attention-craving society. If you haven't turned on the internet or TV lately, you're not missing much. It's all about attention, right? There are certain families that everybody knows about and not for good things. But because they want attention. Because they want someone to see them. Sometimes our Christianity begins to focus solely on the pat on the back. We want to wait on the well done. Sometimes the sacrifices, the secrecy, the acts of love done when no one is looking. Those caring decisions made. That those who were recipients never know about. That mother who tucks in her child at night and the child's gone to sleep. The parent who goes to bed hungry so that his children can eat. The people paying the ticket for those whom God impresses upon you to pay. The moat yard. You're going the moat yard, what? When I was a youth, first youth group I was ever in, Eagle Mountain Baptist Church over in Hazel, and I was there, and one of my friend's dads was filling in for Sunday school one day, and I heard him talking to somebody else about, you know, how they had mowed the lady next door's yard. She was a single mom, and, and she didn't have time, so he went over and mowed her yard for her, And he said the hardest part for him was when she started giving everybody else in the neighborhood the credit, but never him. But he never told. He kept it to himself. It's love. To abide in his love means that we live our life toward and for others rather than for ourselves. But Jesus' love is also told. Romans 8, 38, 39 says, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth or any other creative thing will have the power to separate us from the love of Christ or God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. His love is total. We can't be removed from it. There's no stopping it. Its immensity can't be comprehended. We are loved in such a way that we can never be anywhere. His love cannot reach us. Whether we are in the church building, whether we Changes or fails. People should be in our presence and think I am loved beyond compare. There's a song I grew up on a, a there was a set of cassette tapes my mom ordered off the TV. Time Life cassettes. What was it? Cruising to cruising something. I don't know, but it was all the songs from the fifties and sixties. In our secret family secret, I guess our vacation every year as a family, we went to Las Vegas all of it. It was a long drive, but we put some tapes in. We listened to them all the way. There was a song in the fifties and sixties called "Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow." Our life should be such that the love of Jesus does not allow anyone to ask that question of us. No one should be able to say, "Do they love me?" They should undoubtedly know that that person is flowing with the love of Jesus and he loves me. She loves me. She would do anything for me. If I pick up the phone, they'll be there. We've all been disappointed with people in our lives where we pick up the phone and they don't show up. The people who show up, we know their love. Their love is proved. That is the love of Jesus. Abiding in Jesus' love, though, he says, is the litmus litmus test of how well we're following Him. You know what a litmus test is? A little paper you look and you, you test things out. Litmus test tells us positive or negative. Abiding in His love is how people will know that we are His. He literally says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide. That's how they know. He even said, is how the world will know you, that you have love one for another. That's how the world's going to know us. Mean to abide in his love? It means that no matter what we do, we cannot lose or earn the love of Jesus, and the love we have for those around us should exemplify that same love. We should love people around us in a way that they cannot earn and they cannot lose. He can only do that when we abide. Because my human nature says, I'm done. Never again. I'm done. Says love. Love and keep on loving. Love, love, love. No matter what, love it means the needs and desires of others should be more to us than our own wants. And sometimes our love is better shown when we don't go looking for credit. The challenge here is. <laughs> You should do more things for people that they don't know about than they do. Just let that sink in for a while. It's easy to knock on the door and get a thank you for what you give someone. It's not quite as easy to leave whatever it is you're going to leave and walk away and never know about it. Now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting recognition if there's a relationship there, but we should be doing things that people don't know about. Jesus talked about our good deeds being done in secret. Being done in such a way that nobody knows about it. That's, that's how they're supposed to be. But we can also, while abiding in his love, we can rest in the thought that we can never be separated from the love of Christ. Never. And that our love for others should be such that it will go to the ends of the earth for those around us. Jesus' promise is that if we love like Him, our joy would be complete. I think there's a reason for that. If we love like Jesus, we're always forgiving. If we love like Jesus, we're never holding on to wrongs. If we love like Jesus, it doesn't matter who the person is, we love them regardless. If we love like Jesus, none of the little nitpicky things that get in our way get under our skin. When we love like Jesus, the joy is that life can be overcome by the love of Christ. No matter what's going on around us, no matter what's happening, we can be overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. Maybe this morning you've been struggling with some heart, the vertical, the horizontal, whichever part. Now's the time to say, okay, I'm going to be his. And I'm going to love everybody regardless of who they are. When that person calls on the phone that I usually go, I'm going to answer. it." That's a simple step. But how profound is that? But what kind of message does that send? Maybe this morning you've been struggling with the vertical nature. Maybe it's been hard. Maybe maybe your life has seemed to be in chaos, and it's just so hard to find the time to sit down to to spend the time that you need to spend because there's so much going on, and there's been so much piled on, and and, and it just keeps seeming to snowball, and and it just rolls down the hill, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and you keep waiting for things to slow down and stop. Don't wait. It's never going to slow down and stop. It's going to keep going. The only one who can stop it is him. The only one who can break up that snowball is him. I find it it telling. We had this conversation after the snowmen lasted so long around town. And I'll be asked, well, why do they still have snow? We (laughs) don't. Because they had a great big pile right there. And it doesn't quite melt all as quickly as other places does. I find it telling that the sun is what melts that snowball and makes it down to where it needs to be. And the only thing that's going to stop our snowball is the sun. The only one who's going to take care of that for us is him. And if we try to do it on our own, guess what? we're going to end up? We're going to end up like this Joy-Con controller. We're not going to be doing anything but gathering dust. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, that's where we're going to be. Maybe this one you have some other need. You want to pray? The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to start missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Now's the time. If you've never known Jesus, now would be a great time to do that.